Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's always about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon and this week, happy holidays everybody, we talk with a music legend, the one, the only, Smokey Robinson. He'll talk about learning to drive at the age of 10, how much his first Cadillac cost, and the car, his first car, his dad built for him out of junk. Our pal Rick DeBrule, who is ESPN's reporter for IndyCar, gives us a preview of the upcoming Barrett-Jackson auction in Scottsdale in our Plug Away segment. He also adds how he can talk about cars for eight hours straight and not lose his voice. He'll also give us some tips that auctioneers at the auction use in keeping their voices limber through a multiple-day auction. But first, the 4-2, as it's called in Europe, here... We call it the smart car and a very popular car club in Southern California. I caught up with Robert Weisswasser of SoCal Smarties at the Malibu Wheels and Waves Car Show. I'm co-organizer for the SoCal Smarties. Uh, we just got our 600th member. Our club's going to be uh, 10 years old on March 2nd, 2018. And a smart car in the United States is going to be uh, uh, celebrating its 10-year anniversary, too. And that's going to be uh, in January 2018 when they were first introduced uh, through uh, smart car dealers, actually through Mercedes-Benz dealers. There, there were some smart cars here that were converted that were uh, brought in from Canada. There was a 450 model, which uh, was never really sold here in the United States. But uh, you'll see here today, you'll see some 451s and 453 models. You say converted. What were they converted to? These cars were, were built for as what we call an export model. They were built to meet European specs. So the glass was different. Uh, the speedometer was in kilometers. And uh, they didn't have the correct side marker lights on it. Didn't have the proper emission control uh, that were required in the United States. So all that had to be converted. And that brought the price of those cars up to about $30,000, which is uh, rather expensive. Uh, most of these cars, the 451s, uh, sell for under uh, $20,000. You can get a 453. Some of the 2017 Cabriolets that you'll see here, they're a tad over $20,000. And we also have an electric drive that's down yonder there that's charging so uh he's he's charging up right there and you can tell an electric drive smart because it says ed on the b pillar so ed not ev ed <laughs> smart uses ed i guess in, in europe they probably uh don't use the same term and refer to it what we normally refer to it uh, i w would think they'd choose a better uh <laughs> or you would call it ev rather than ed but that's okay, what so what is i'll bite what does ed mean electric drive I knew that. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> these cars have been around, you say, for about ten years now. And and so, when did smart cars become a thing? I, I guess a lot of us just missed that. It went over our heads. Yeah. Actually, uh, actually, in 2008, and and you couldn't believe the enthusiasm. I mean, that the club. It was just you know participation and people coming out uh, just zillions of cars in fact i can show you something over here if you want to come over to one of these photos here we did two jam on the dams we went to hoover dam twice and actually got the dam shut off and that's all smart cars there's about 120 of them on the dam right there so bob what is it about this car or these cars that really seem to get your club members all excited and bringing them around to shows. Okay, well, 
I can, I can tell you, uh, you know, a lot of people are skeptical. They don't think it's a serious car. Uh, they think it's dangerous, it's unsafe, and all that other kind of stuff, which is, you know, tro- totally erroneous. These cars are, are very safe. Uh, they're, they're built like a bank vault. Um, I've, I can show you all kinds of, you know, crash photos where people have actually survived in these things, unfortunately. But once you get behind the wheel of it, it's the driving experience and, and, the, and the fun, the visceral experience that you get behind the wheel that makes, that makes these cars fun. And they're great to take up in the canyons, which we love to do, and go through the twisties. Another photo there is taken in the snake right there and, and there's that speed and actually the uh, right front wheel was off the ground there's actually air between there it didn't show up in the photo but um, until the electronic you know that happened once on a uh, on an SUV and it got consumer reports in a lot of trouble yep. <laughs> that that could happen but you know it's just driving these cars and uh, we've had you know caravans when we went over to Hoover Dam we had a huge caravan I don't know if I can't remember how many cars 50 or 60 cars and uh, we even had some, there's some videos up, it's called Jam on the Dam, where you can see all of the smart cars driving into the Las Vegas area on uh, Interstate uh, 15, just going in there and, and you know, just, this, this enthusiasm was just amazing. A uh, 2008 uh, Cabriolet, the wheels are custom, the uh, whole front there, the, uh, the, the, the chin spoiler there, the tow hook. Right, well, hold on. Does that do anything to the performance of the car or the stability of the car? Um, probably enhances the ride somewhat. It will affect the performance somewhat, uh, but it actually uh, will probably stabilize the car a bit. Uh, again, there's you know all kinds of things you can do. I think those are probably 17-inch wheels, which is about the uh, maximum size that you can go. And if we go around the back, uh, you can see that it'll have a custom exhaust system on it, too. But I can tell you that Kobe Bryant uh, did a commercial that was shot in downtown L.A. You can go on YouTube, and you can actually watch the commercial, and he's driving a smart, and it's kind of a you know real funny commercial, and it was only aired in China. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal actually owned the Smart. Yeah, but did he ever, like, get into it without a can opener? And I mean that in the nicest, kindest possible way. I don't know how he got into it, but he got into it. Do you remember the, back in the day, Wilt Chamberlain tried to get into a Volkswagen? Uh, yes, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, you can fit in these cars. There's plenty of room in here. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't tell you the tallest person, but uh, we've had some people that... Uh, weighed in excess of 300 pounds that would fit in these cars. Okay, okay, hold on a second. I'm just looking around, and I'm looking for the tallest guy here, and sadly, I think it's me. (laughs) I think it is me. Okay. Uh, Is there anybody else who's tall here that would want to try and fit in? Well, I could do this, I guess. Where's your car? Right right over here. I have a spare tire behind the seat, and I can't put the seat back. It gets set for my height, but if we find a Another car, uh, probably maybe Nader over here. You can probably find a tall guy. Uh, I'm sure that uh, let's let's talk to the owner right here. What's your name again? Nader. Okay, so I don't think I'll be able to fit in this car. Yes, you will. You, that? Uh, it's a very roomy car. You, you can. Uh, how tall are you? About six four. About six three ish. It's a very very. Com- this. Yeah. Okay, hold on. That guy in the red. What is it possible? There's a guy right there who's kind of beefy. Uh, let's let's see if we can try and fit him in. Is that possible in your car? Of course, not a problem. All right, let me grab him. Hold on. Hi, I'm Randy Crudun for Talking About Cars. We're trying to stick a really big guy in at one of these to see if it'll fit. Would you mind? Yeah, I won't take offense. Okay, okay. Yeah, bless you, son. What's your name? Harry. Harry, where are yeah. you from? England. Harry, how tall are you? How how much do you weigh? Six foot three. Oh, beautiful. You're about my height. Yeah. 
Uh, what's your weight? Oh, 200-ish, 250. Oh, he's much better because, frankly, I'm a lot thinner. All right. So, so Harry, if you don't mind, we'd like to see how a 6'3", 210-pound guy fits into one of these smart cars. Would you mind? No, not at all. Bless you, sir. Let's go take a look right here. Now, right here, we have Nader's car. Go ahead, Harry, from England. Hop in. Wow. Wow, that actually, how, how is that? I'm used to getting into E-type, so it's a lot easier than an E-type, so it's good. Have you ever been in a Mini? Yes. Like, I mean the original Mini, not yeah, the ones yeah, today. Yeah. How do you fit in that? I have to take the seat out and sit on the back seat. <laughs> you're not trying to sell this to me, are you? No, is that what no, you're trying no. to do? <laughs> no, there's no real issues as far as, you know, leg room. You seem to be there, and the seat's kind of back, and you, you look like it's... And you're actually, okay, this is a convertible, but if you can look, his head is well below what would have been the headliner. So, Harry, thank you so much for doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's put your hands together. Harry. Thanks, Harry. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right. Appreciate yes. it. All right. Cool. Is this your car? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, let me talk to you real quick. Uh, let me flip around here so we could actually see you. Your name is? My name is Jan. And where are you from? I'm Santa Paula, California. Santa Paula. So what, what is it about smart cars for you? Initially, when I first saw them in England, it was too small for me. I wanted nothing to do with it. And then my husband was insistent we get one in 2011. I saw one stripped down at the L.A. car show to see what it's actually built is. And it's built around uh, basically a roll cage. So I thought, well, if that's going to be safe, and I don't think Mercedes makes junk, and that's who makes these cars, I would go with it. But it's got to be a good color. So my first one was black. This was a loaner car when my black one was having some uh, regular maintenance done. I love the yellow. fits my personality because I also drive a yellow Mustang. Uh, at the time, I drove a GT500. Right. I love both cars equally. All right. So what is it about? I mean, have you ever had a situation going around a curve or something like that where you're, it got a little nerve-wracking? Or is this something you just got used to? It's something you just get used to and you know how to compensate for it. Mine, you can shift it with paddle shifters. Paddle um, shifters on a smart car. Yes, sir. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Everybody's sitting there thinking, okay, this thing is so small, it must be getting like 100 miles per gallon. What do you get mileage-wise on this? I get about 38 to 40. And it runs on 93. It doesn't run on regular. It runs on 93 octane. Really? Yes, sir. It says so right inside the gas door. Well, thank you. All right, here we go. This is the, uh, and what's your name, sir? My name's Ray. Where are you from, Ray? I'm from Burbank. I drove to Malibu from Burbank on half a charge. So this is called, where's the sign? Oh, yeah, it does say there's your ED right there. And cleverly, now I know why it's ED, because of a graphic that looks like an electric plug. Hello. So tell me a little bit about what is different with this one than, let's say, the ones that drive on premium. Well, this one's heavier, rides much more smooth, smoothly. Uh, of course, it's limited around 50, 60 miles. Then you have to find a charger. All right. So, what do you? What kind of mileage do you get from an actual charge? Well, you know, I'm not going to test the range. They say 70 miles, but I don't want to be stranded. Uh -huh. So I drive generally 30, 40 miles. I plug it in at home at night. And you never had any close calls, let's say on a curve or anything like that. Oh no, this handles so great. On a matter of fact, the electric handles better on the curves. Uh -huh. It's got the battery, of course, giving me a lower center of gravity. 
I love it. Yeah. Coming up in a couple of weeks, it's auction weekend in Scottsdale, Arizona, and you know what that means, the Barrett-Jackson auction broadcast. And in our cheap plug segment, our pal Rick DeBrule, the pride of Canoga Park High School and KCPR Radio at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. It's your turn, Rick, to plug away. This is the big dog. I mean, there are four Barrett-Jackson auctions around the country, but the let's call it the mothership, the mother of all Barrett-Jackson auctions, is the one in Scottsdale. And I mean, last year there were, I believe, 1,400, 1,500 cars. And, and if you've never been to a Barrett-Jackson event, and they're good at, you know, the Las Vegas one's good, and the Northeast one, Palm Beach, they're all good. But if you've never been to one and you really want to go to one eventually, this is the one you have to do. It is not a three-ring circus. It's not a five-ring circus. It's a 12-ring circus. It's got a big top. <laughs> it is the ultimate car show on every level because there's all these cars that are for sale and 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 there's the best of the best i mean it's not just the the fact that you know it's it's a you know, big collection of cars you know when i talk to a lot of consigners you know i'll talk about you know where you, where you can bring this car what do you do why'd you bring this car to scottsdale oh because this is the best you know the scottsdale's got the best audience the best crowd so i'm bringing the best car i've got to scottsdale so it's an eclectic collection of cars. It's a big collection of cars, and the quality is just off the charts. And people say when they look at these shows, the best time to get a really good deal, because you watch these shows as you guys broadcast on Discovery and uh, Velocity, you see these really nice cars, and they go for really surprising prices on a Thursday or a Friday. But last year, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you guys start on Wednesday? Well, we actually started, I think we were on the air on Tuesday, actually. Um, and, and But but the auction itself, I think, actually began on Monday last year. But, you know, you need to think of it like, um, you know, something that builds over a course of time. You know, the first cars that go off the block, whether it's on, on the first day of the auction or the first hour of the auction, tend to be the cars that, that while they may be nice, are not quite as valuable as the cars that are going to go across the block at 4 o'clock on Friday or 4 o'clock on Saturday. That's prime time when the biggest audience the biggest crowds are there. Um, you know, now I, I will tell you, sometimes while it seems like cars should go for screaming deals, like, you know, the last hour of the auction, you think, well, everybody's gone, nobody's there. Last year there was a particular uh, uh, truck that I was interested in buying, and I thought, what's well, going to go in the last hour? And I'll sneak out and maybe get a screaming deal. You know, I thought I could get it for less than 20 grand. It went for $67,000. Wow. So, so just because you think there's going to be a good deal, you never quite know. It all boils down to who's in the room at that given moment, and that's what an auction's all about. You need two committed buyers interested willing to buy a car. I've had Steve Mignante and also uh, Mike Joy on the show, and I asked them, really, what do they do when they see a car that they'd like to buy? Have you ever been in that position where you're in the middle of the broadcast and you see a car and you go, hmm, I kind of like that. How do you go about it? Yeah, it, it happens, honestly, like pretty much every hour. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, so the, the, the rules that we have within within our broadcast is we're not allowed to comment on cars that we would consider buying. Um, and, and basically because we shouldn't, as part of the broadcast, be affecting the audience. You know, there's Internet bidders. There's people who are bidding over the phone. You know, if, if we're interested in buying a car and suddenly we go, yeah, it's a pretty mediocre car. Well, we, we've, we've tainted the audience. The flip side is, you know, we're saying it's great. You know, it, our job is to, to give an independent appraisal of the car. So um, in the past, and I know Mike Joy has, has had this come up where, um, you know, he, we knew he was interested in a particular car. 
Um, if, if we're lucky, it happens during a commercial break. If not, he'll say, you know what, can I just sit out talking about this car? It would seem like more than often than not, we'll consider a car and we'll say, we're going to sit out talking about this car. Before we know it, the price has gone past us. And we're like, okay, I can talk about this car. <laughs> and that's <laughs> I'm when, not going to be in the market for buying it. And that's when suddenly Chris Jacobs pops in and you're going, wait a minute, what's Chris doing there? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. And like I said, that's what happened with this truck I was interested in buying in, in Scottsdale. You know, it, I, I thought I could get it low and, and you know, I wasn't going to talk about it and and you know within 30 seconds it was so far past me i was like okay i can talk completely about this now now you guys have to prep for this so i'm imagining about now is the time that you're going through all the books and all the papers trying to get yourself knowledgeable about some of the cars that are going by the block i mean we are several weeks ahead how early do you start prepping for a barrett jackson auction they'll send us a docket and as soon as we get the docket then we'll start to break it apart and look at the various cars and you know we all have things we're interested in and some cars we know pretty well, so you, you don't have to do a lot of research on it. Some cars you don't know very well, and so you have to sit back and go, you know, um, I, you know, okay, a Fiat Multiply. I, I know just enough to be dangerous about it. Maybe I need to do a little bit more research, or maybe it's a '66 Cobra that's for sale this year. Well, yeah, we, we know a lot about Cobras, but what's significant about this particular serial number in this particular car? So you want to know a little bit more. So with, with 1,400 cars, and we're on the air for, I, I'm not sure how many hours we're on the air this year, but it's awful lot. We know we're going to have to talk about a lot of cars, and, and we have notes and notes and notes and notes. So when that car comes up, even though it's only on the block for two and a half minutes, we know that there's things we're going to need to say. And the, and the great irony is we'll prepare notes on you know hundreds of cars that we'll never talk about because they go across the block in a commercial or maybe a feature was going on or you know something came up that, that distracted us in a good way in the program but we only ended up talking about that car for 30 seconds as we were coming out of commercial break and so all these notes that we prepared just kind of sit off to the side now fortunately I built a computer database and so I can use those notes later on down the line when I'm at Palm Beach or I'm at um, you know Northeast Barrett Jackson Northeast and a similar type of car comes up and I can say, oh, 69 Camaros or 68 Camaros, what's the difference in the, the, the shock settings or the, the way the shocks were put in the 68 versus the 67 to avoid axle hop, that kind of thing. And there are people that really want to know that. <laughs> you know what's interesting? <laughs> I, you know, I, I always say that we are antiques roadshow for car people. A lot of people love antiques roadshow because they want to learn about the antiques. It's the fun of learning about it. And, and and I think it's the same thing for the way we do the Barrett tax auctions. It's not just the ooh and ah of watching a car sell and finding out what it sells for. It's the history lesson. When Steve Mignante can sit up there and talk about the history of why engine blocks are painted the way they are or why taillights were you know designed the way they were during a particular era or you know all the little aspects, or the stuff that Mike Joy knows. I mean, people... I enjoy learning about the cars. It's not just a program where you watch it sell. It's a program where you also get an opportunity to learn about cars. You mentioned the docket. How thick is that, baby? Well, <laughs> like phone book thick or what? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, they they produce a catalog every year, and the catalog is very thick. I mean, it's you know, it's definitely a you know phone book for a small city. Now, having said that, um, not every car is in the docket, and and some cars have more. You know information in in the uh, in the catalog, but I mean you know imagine I'll get uh, every day at the auction 
I will get a loose leaf binder with a what we call a car card for every single car that's in the auction that day. Um, when we're doing a, a, a four-hour show, you know, that thing will be an inch to an inch and a half thick. When we're doing an eight-hour show, that thing will be a couple inches thick. And, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how much information is contained in there, and we just have to have that docket available to us so we have information on each car. Okay, so you do all these broadcasts within, again, as you mentioned, eight-hour shows, basically, where you're constantly talking. Does your voice ever start going out, and what do you do to make sure your voice stays? Because as a broadcaster, I've had plenty of times where I've called a game or I've done something and my voice starts, you know, getting sore. And How do you handle that? What do you do? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, we, we hang out with the uh, the auctioneers a lot, and they are the masters of protecting their voices. If you go in the auctioneer's room, they have all these little tricks of the trade for it. Because, I mean, they're not just talking. They're, you know, they're loudly talking in thin. The, the way they do it, they're putting a lot more energy into it. The nice thing about our broadcast is it's designed to be comfortable so that people at home feel that, you know, we're talking to them. It's a bunch of guys on a couch sitting there looking at cars. So for us, fortunately, it's not even like a, play-by-play for a basketball game. You know, we don't have to get as excited quite as much as and, and have as much energy as you do. We want to have fun with the cars, and that's what it's all about. Having said that, I'm, apparently I'm one of those people who can just talk forever. So, uh, rub- Rubber voice box, great. Hey, yeah, exactly. What is one trick of the trade that you can say these guys go through? Number one, only drink room-temperature liquids. They don't drink hot, they don't drink cold, and they avoid carbonation so that they're never taking their, the temperature of their throat down or up. It's always constant, and that way, and there's never carbonation for all the obvious reasons. That's one thing I was intrigued when I was back and, you know, watching the auctioneers as to what they do the way they do it. And they also, they rotate off. I mean, the auctioneers aren't on for 8 or 10 hours a day. They'll be on for 20 minutes or half an hour, and then they rotate off, and then they're off for a period of time, and then they come back on. Ah, well, that's something we didn't know. See, we learned something by listening to talk about cars. It's amazing. It is true. All right, so the broadcasts are coming up here soon. Can you say, like last year, um, Mike and Ann from Wheeler Dealers were your special guest reporters. Do you know who your special guest reporters are this year? You know, I don't know who they are. I haven't actually gotten uh, the email. I'm, uh, you know, I, I know the, the powers that be know. I just haven't. Uh, we, we've yet to have what we call our conference call where we kind of lay things out. And so as a result, I, I just don't know who it is off the top. But, uh, you know, it's, the great thing is we've got such a great group of people associated with Velocity with all the various programs that we've got. You know, last year Dave Kindig was here. You know, we've had Mike Brewer in the past. Ant was also joined us up in uh, in Las Vegas. Um, and and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Ralph Hogan was there for Bear Jacks Northeast. There's such a great group of people. It's fun to bring all these folks in and, and you know, have a different voice each time. How long has this been for you? I mean, what year is this Barry Jackson for you? I attended my first Barrett Jackson auction just purely as a spectator, probably in 1980. Um, you know, I moved to Phoenix in 1978. And so, uh, I, you know, it was in my backyard. Why wouldn't I go? And you worked um, in TV news there for a while. I worked in TV news, yeah, for, for all that time. And so I would write, but more importantly, I was a car geek. So I would go out and spend my time. I remember when it was at Phoenix Municipal Stadium and there was a swap meet in the parking lot. It was nowhere near what it is today. Um, I did my first broadcast, I think, in 2003 and I've been doing it regularly ever since. So I guess this is my, my 15th year of 15th anniversary of, of doing the broadcast on Barrett. Of, uh, well, initially we did it on speed. And now we do it on velocity. Wow. And is it all going to be on velocity this year or is it going to be bouncing around? It'll be velocity around? and discovery. So 
So uh, uh, most of it is on velocity, and then uh, some of the primetime hours, uh, when, uh, like for example, probably on Saturday and Friday, will will end up on Discovery. Discovery's got a much bigger audience, and, and in addition to that, I mean, we're on Turbo UK, we're up in Canada. Um, you know, we in the past they've had some Spanish language broadcasts. The great thing about being associated with Velocity, it's owned by Discovery, and it has a worldwide audience, and we have the ability to broadcast this worldwide now, and, and it's great to be able to. I mean, we the last few auctions, we have been simulcast in the United Kingdom at the same time live, so folks in the UK can watch exactly what's going on over here. By the way, if you want more about Rick, you can go to our Talking About Cars classic pages on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can listen to Rick on Talking About Cars. Man, that was a long time ago. Talking About Cars number 19. Finally, we've saved the best for last. A music legend. Smokey Robinson has written over 4,000 songs, has had 37 top 40 hits so far, including Tears of a Clown, Tracks of My Tears, Love Machine, just to name a few. I'm sure Cruisin' is in there as well. I asked Smokey, what was the first car he remembered growing up? My dad has had an Oldsmobile. That was the first car I remember being in in my life probably when I was two or three years old, he had an Oldsmobile. And eventually, by the time I was probably maybe six, he had a Cadillac. And my dad changed cars a lot uh, because my dad was like a master mechanic, man. My dad was a master mechanic. My dad knew everything that you could possibly know about a car. Uh, And I know nothing. He tried to teach me, but I, I just I, I guess I just didn't want to know that. But my dad was and my first car that I ever had that was my own. Uh, my dad had taught me how to drive when I was ten years old. Uh, there was a I grew up in Detroit, and Detroit is adjacent to Canada, and Windsor, Canada is just right up under the bridge or right, I mean right over the bridge or right up under the tunnel to get there. So my dad was a fisherman. My dad loved fishing. Now, I'm a golf fanatic. My dad loved fishing more than I love golf, okay? My dad, was, he took me fishing from the time I was born until I was 15. I told him I just didn't want to go anymore, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so we'd go to Canada. And there was, a, there was a, 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 a black resort up there called Rondo Bay, okay? There were back roads up there. So when I was 10 years old, he would drive up there. And during the day sometimes, he'd just go in the back roads. There's no traffic or anything. Teach me how to drive. Taught me how to drive, and I learned how to drive on a stick shift with the clutch and all that. You know, mm-hmm. whether whether it was stick shift was on the on the on the steering wheel with the clutch and all that. So that's how I learned how to drive. So now, when I turned 16 years old, I'm in high school, and my dad comes home one day, and he has made me a car. Made you a car. He went to the junkyard. He got the body of an old 47 Ford Coupe. He got the motor and the transmission and all that from other cars in that junkyard and made me a car, okay? He brought it and gave it to me. He said, okay, this is, this is, this is, this is your car, you know. So Was I, it a convertible, a no, hardtop? No, 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 it, 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 was, it was one of those coupes with the slanted the back and stuff like that. Like the, a the, fleet line, yeah. Yeah, 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 like that. And so uh, I called it the Hawk. And, <laughs> and, and right away I, I took all the paint off and primed it. I, I I painted my tires white wall. <laughs> painted my cupcaps. My hubcaps were gold. I mean, uh-huh. you know? But uh, that was my first car, and my dad had made it for me. And uh, that sounds like a Johnny Cash. What was it? One piece at a time. Remember yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But my dad was a master mechanic. And then I was growing up in Detroit, which was called the Motor City, until after we started Motown. Motown became popular. Now it's called Motown, but it was called the Motor City. So it was the auto industry right there in Detroit. And um, I was exposed to that for my entire life. 
I'm fascinated that your dad just put together a car out of a bunch of junk pieces. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did yeah, he do that for everybody else in the family? Or? No, he he just he just did it for me. And my dad was a tinkler. I mean, even after my kids were born, my dad passed when he was eighty nine. But after my kids were born, my dad used to get up in the morning. He was an early riser, and he'd get up in the morning six o'clock, and he would take their bicycles apart. Everything, all he would oil every spoke, every little nut and bolt, and everything, and put it back together. And they get up in the morning and go out and ride them and stuff. You know, that's the my dad was a master mechanic. Wow. Yeah. So we could have had Smokey Robinson Garage. We were yeah, this close you, you in genetics, yeah, absolutely. right? Absolutely. <laughs> Very close. You Darn Barry Gordy came along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So cars that, and you've had a lot of them, I'd imagine. Yeah. Maybe a car that you don't have anymore that you really wish you could get back. The car that got away that you'd want back someday. I, I, you know, I never attach myself to cars like that. I never attach myself to homes or anything like that because I think it's all temps. You know, you can move, you can get another car, and so on and so uh, uh, the, the The best car story I can give you as far as me, personally, without my dad being involved, was my first brand-new car. I had, after 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 the, the 47 Ford and stuff that got worn out and everything, my dad gave me a 1952 Pontiac. Mm-hmm. And he had put that together, too. So I would be driving the car, and the car was one of those cars that... It would just stop whenever it got ready to. I just, mean, I could just be stop? just stop. <laughs> I mean, I could be driving down the street and the car would just stop, just because it wanted to. And sometimes, if I sat there for maybe five, six minutes or so, it would start back up. Sometimes I have to leave it there like overnight. It would start back up. <laughs> so one day, I'm on my way to the recording studio. I've got a very important session that day, and I'm on my way to the recording studio. So I get two blocks from the recording studio from Hitsville. And I'm at the traffic light. Traffic light is red. And then it turns green. And my car won't start. People behind me blowing. You're going too crazy. But the car won't start. I mean, so finally two guys got out and helped me push it over to the curb. And I kicked it. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work? And, and I walked, Did that help? I walked the two blocks to the studio. And before I went to the studio, I went up to Barry's office. And I was irate because it had stopped on me so many times. And I'm just the car keeps coming. So he said, wait a minute, man. He says, okay. He said, after after you finish with your session, he said, I'll go down because General Motors was right down the street from us. He said, I'll go down and I'll co-sign for you because I was only 20. I couldn't I couldn't get any. He said, I'll co-sign for you. You get the car. So, man, I go down to the General Motors building there. And on the showroom floor, there is a 1960, I think it was 1962 or 63, brand new Cadillac Coupe DeVille convertible. It was a candy apple, kind of red, maroony, kind of, it was, had that shine to it, you know. Oh, yeah. And it had a beige convertible top and beige leather insides and everything that a car could possibly have on it in those days. And they opened up the showroom doors, and I drove it off of the showroom floor for $4,500. That was it? That was it. $4,500. $4,500. Nowadays, you can't even get the tires for $4,500. <laughs> Not if they have hubcaps on them, I'll tell you that. That's right. Spanking brand new, (laughs) off the showroom floor, $4,500. Forty five hundred bucks. Yeah, when forty five hundred was really four dollars and fifty two cents. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we know your music. We know Motown. We know some of your biggest hits. And I keep thinking of cruising. Okay. Now, when you wrote that or when you put it together, you always I, you, you have it something envisioned in your head when you're writing it. 
cruising, I assume, did you have a car in mind that you were cruising on the road with at the time? You know, I hate to answer that question since this is a car show, but no. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, cruising. My guitarist, who has now passed on, was such a musical inspiration for me. His name was Marv Tarplin. And he had given me, he, he used to put his guitar, make guitar riffs and put them on tape for me. And I would listen to them over and over again until I could come up with a song for his music. You know, he liked the tracks of my tears and uh, going to a go-go. It just sounds like that. So cruising. Marvin had put that music on tape for me. And, and songs take different times. Now, I, I used Shop Around, which was the first million seller of miracles that I ever had. Took me 30 minutes to write that song, okay? So cruising. I'm listening to it. Took five years. Five okay. years. Five years. I'm listening to it. I would listen to it at night because I love the music. It's so sensual, and I had it on a loop on a on a reel to reel tape recorder, and I just listened to it all night just because it was so sensual and what he was playing. And I wrote a couple of songs to it, but they were not sensual or sexy. So uh, finally, one day, I came up with the, with the beginnings of the chorus. You're going to fly away. I'm glad you're going my way because I love it. I love what? I love it that you're going to fly away with me. No, that's not good. No, I love it because you love me and I love you. No, that's not good. So I thought about it. I said, I want to give people something to make up their own minds as to what I'm talking about. So cruising was it. I've had people to come up to me. They've made bets. When you said cruising, you meant this, didn't you? Tell him. You meant so and so and so. No. I meant whatever you mean. Whatever you mean by cruising with your person, that's exactly what I mean. So cruising wasn't driving wasn't, down the street in a 46 Roadmaster or something like that. It had to do with relationship. However you cruise with your person, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine, though, Cruising was a big song for those listening in cars above scenic viewpoints. I, I would imagine so. that was pretty good. I hope so. Because <laughs> yeah. you had other songs, you know. I tried to get Chrysler to, to, to do a commercial with the, when they came out with the Cruiser, you know. Tried to get them. Oh, the PT Cruiser? Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. They should have done that. Can you Can you ever been in a PT Cruiser? Yes. You have? Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you yeah. just visualize it now? You, Smokey Robinson, <laughs> yeah. driving down the street in a PT Cruiser? <laughs> yeah, we're cruising on. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I mean, Somehow, though, the PT Cruiser. I don't know. If I, I think of cruising. I don't think of the PT Cruiser. Some of the other songs you had, you know, like uh, I, a phrase I've probably uttered when I go to a car show, Betcha by golly wow, for example. Looking at that car, that that's an incredible car. Okay. Did you ever do anything that was car-related at all? No. Okay, uh -uh. I like except, short to except, the point. Except, except for driving them, I, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, uh, oh, but I, back in the day, my dad did teach me how to put oil in there, and I had a little oil stick, you know, put the oil in there, and that. But other than that, I, I know nothing about them, man. Tell me about the American Greetings deal where y you were involved, and you can they can actually get cards with you singing and cruising. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they they they've done this program where um, they pick two of my songs. Um, my girl and get ready, and for for example, uh, it's it's a musical card and you open it up, and it's a father daughter day. See, because we 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 wanted to promote relationships between fathers and daughters, so it's father daughter day and it's an official holiday now, and it's uh, October fifth I think or some or eighth or something like that, but it's an official holiday, but. You get the cards from American Greeting and My Girl. I guess you say what could make me feel this way. Tamla. That's my daughter's name. Oh. You can put your 
daughter's name at the end of that phrase. So that's what the unique thing about it is. I see. Yeah. Any pictures of you cruising in cars? Well, I mean, we had the, we did a, we did a, a video. Right. And, and yeah, and I'm in a car cruising, and I got some background singing guys in there with me, and we're jamming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. What cars are in your garage right now? And what oh, and what would you love to buy if there was something out there? Um. Okay. In my garage, <laughs> there's a Rolls and a Bentley, and um and uh, my wife has a a daily car that she drives, which is a Mercedes, and my daily car that I drive is a uh, is an Escalade. I I I like the SUV thing because I play golf and I like to have a place to put my golf clubs and all that. So I have an Escalade. And in the garage, we have a Bentley and we have an, a Rolls Royce. Anything you'd love to buy? Um, you know, the, I, the car I, yeah, that you, you haven't you, had yet. The car that I haven't had yet, I'm still waiting for it. I want the one that drives itself. You do? They, yeah, yeah. They're coming, they're coming with it now because even my car, I can put it on cruise control and it stops automatically when it approaches a, a, anything, another car, whatever. It stops automatically. So I put it on cruise control. I don't have to worry about how fast I'm going. I just set it at 75, and there it is. It's going. And if it comes up on something, it's going to stop by itself. So pretty soon they're going to have the ones that you can just program, and they'll take you where you're going. That's the one I'm waiting for. I want that car. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Smokey Robinson, who has a new album out called Christmas Every Day, Make sure you check it out. Also remember, you can get our newest podcasts on Radio.com and on iTunes. And don't forget, if you're on iTunes, to subscribe. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net. And please follow us on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, have a happy holiday, everybody. I'm Randy Crudeau. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.